name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You have to throw the Holy Ghost in there every once in a while, just because we get so used to the Holy Spirit, right? I like the, play the old ones, Red. You know, this is an interesting gospel. Um, Skip was very kind when he read it. He didn't show really how sarcastic Jesus really is with some of the things that he's saying. You know, such things like, uh, well, you adults don't get it, but the little kids do. I mean, that's kind of a whap, whap, whap stuff. It's interesting, you know, too, this gospel, I always think in terms of sort of pictures, particularly when I'm reading Mark and Matthew and Luke, because they really have images there that you can kind of hold on to. And I think of Jesus going through a small town, maybe Nazareth, which was nothing more than just a collection of little dwellings, and being at a place where a couple of streets cross, no grand square or anything, and seeing the kids sitting around, shouting back and forth to one another, and seeing the adults kind of milling around uh, on their errands and uh, seeing the, the, the kids, you know, uh, well, we played the lute or the plute, but you didn't dance. Uh, we, we did some mourning, but you didn't wail. You know, it, this uh, kind of the juxtaposition of images there. And then he gets really brings it close to home. He talks about his mentor. His mentor and his cousin, by the way, was John the Baptist, who taught him a lot. And John the Baptist, he says, you know, when John came, you said he had a demon because he didn't eat or drink. Then I come along, and I have dinner with tax collectors and sinners and people just like you. And, and we drink wine. And you say, I'm a glutton and a, and a drunkard. Hey, what's happening here? You know, you really you hear those images, bang, 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 bang. It's kind of neat, actually. And then he comes out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this line, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Wisdom, which is one of the names for the Holy Spirit, in addition to Holy Ghost and Sophia and other things. Um, She's vindicated, she's made right by her deeds, not his deeds, because the Holy Spirit is feminine. You all knew that, right? I keep telling you that, so you've got to have gotten it by now. And then the last part, and I, I get a kick out of this because... He says, and the translation is, it's a perfectly accurate translation, by the way. Come to me, all ye that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How many of you remember the 1928 prayer book version of that? Come unto me, all ye that travel and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. There's a little zing in that, isn't there? Okay, Bobby, I understand you're tired. I'm sorry to see that. Come unto me, all ye who travel. 
and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. So the last, some of the last lines here are just wonderful. But you see, what I'm talking about are perceptions. These are perceptions. These are things that you believe. And other people may believe other things. These perceptions come and go, and they can change, and they can grow, and they can die out. But nonetheless, they are perceptions. So when you hear a gospel like this read, you click your perceptions in, and you understand it the way you want to understand it. There may be other ways, which are just as orthodox. There may be other ways of perceiving what is being said that are just as true, which vindicate you just as much. Let me give you a little tip here. If you were in the ancient world and you were traveling in your ship around the Mediterranean and you'd get off at different seaports, which they did. They sailed right along the coast because they didn't really know how to navigate out there in the middle. And... They would go from town to town, port to port, and country to country, and those places were pretty well isolated. So you'd sail into one, and things would be very, very different than the next one you sailed into or the one you just sailed from. And that becomes really important that you find out three things. And the three things are, when you get out, who are the gods of this place? you would ask the people on the pier, who are the gods of this place? If, they, if the main god, for example, is Mars, you may not want to start an anti-war demonstration. Right? If the main god is Aphrodite, well, I'll leave that to your imagination. The next question you would ask is, who is the king? Tell me about the king. And that was interesting because that tells you about the politics of the place and how the place is governed. And finally, you would ask, what are the ethoi of this place? What are the customs? What are the manners? That's all ethics means, by the way. It's a very high-blown word, ethics. We have a professor of ethics here. Really, they're a professor of manners and customs within a place. And so, those are three really important questions that have to do with power, the gods, politics, the king, and finally, the local rules. How do people get along? You would be wise to emulate that when you go into a new company, when you, <laughs> when you go into a new town, when you move around the, oh, this country of ours. Well, this, this is an interesting week, speaking of power, politics, and ethoi. It's an interesting week because it's during this week that we celebrate this. You can all read it, of course, from there. It says, Declaration of Independence. How many of you have read the Declaration of Independence recently? We have a smattering of hands. That's a dangerous document. 
It's going to get you thinking. Honestly, you do not want to pick this up lightly. I started reading it the other day. It terrified me. I had to close it for a minute. And of course, I picked it back up right again. It's interesting, you know. You know who wrote it? The major author was Thomas. All right. And his helper was my great, great, ever so great cousin, Ben Franklin. That's right. And he was helped by John Adams. Very good. And they were helped by two other guys. Extra credit. Robert Livingston and Roger Sherman. I'm trying to sound like Trevette there on Jeopardy. Right. You know, Jefferson was really influenced by a British physician slash philosopher by the name of John Locke. How many of you from your undergraduate days remember reading John Locke? The smattering of you do. The rest of you read it anyway, but you forgot it. He was, you know, I was reading about him uh, over the week, too. You know, the Internet is incredible. It's like having a huge library just at your fingertips. And, and Locke was an interesting guy, not very pleasant guy, sort of irascible. But he was a guy who went to, uh, sorry, he went to Oxford, not Cambridge. I always have to apologize, Chris, for that. Uh, he went to Oxford and he read medicine while he was there. And uh, he actually got a bachelor's degree in it. And then he got a master's degree in it. Then he went to work as the personal physician of a number of uh, people who were, happened to be in politics. And so he started thinking about that and started writing about that and came up with a notion that he called natural law where he talked about life liberty and property. Life, liberty, and property going to lock. Jefferson did not like that. So he changed property to pursuit of happiness. You've got to know this stuff. It's on the quiz. The pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, this is a very, very interesting document because there's 27 reasons in there not to get along very well with the king of England. You know, some of the ones that he was upset about were taxation, of course, but freedom of expression, being able to say what you thought, no, 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 not if it was contra to the crown. Trade with other nations, we'd like to trade with France. You what? That was frowned upon. Uh, we'd like to trade with Spain. No, 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 no. You will trade with us and no one else. And finally, the one of the ones that, besides taxation, but one of the ones that really ticked them off is that the uh, local army contingent would come by your house. Say, oh, oh my, 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 you have a guest room. Uh, we're going to move some troops into there. As a matter of fact, we're going to move you out. You go someplace, and we're taking your house away from you, and we're going to quarter troops there. Ha, ha, ha. You can't do anything about that. 
because we have more troops standing here that will force you into that. You can see why people got riled up over that, right? Yes? Yes, they did get riled up. 27 abuses of power. 27 examples of sovereignty over the colonies. And you talk about being subject to travail and being heavy laden. And it was amazing to see what this document that was worked on in June. They got a draft together on the 2nd of July and Congress, Continental Congress, went over it, made a few minor changes. They got it in final draft on the 4th. They passed it on the 4th. Then on the 5th, uh, they had it printed. And on the 6th, they distributed it around throughout the colonies. Well, now, what does this have to do with us as Christians, you might say? Right? You'd have your hand up. You'd say that. You know, what the Declaration of Independence is about, it's about living temporally that has gone bad. It's about temporal living that has gone bad. What we are about as Christians is living eternally. We live for the love of the Lord, to serve the Lord. That's what we do. We serve our communities, we serve our families, our work and our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are dedicated to that. That's what we as Christians do. We live eternally. You know, you and I are not loose marbles in some shoebox someplace, you know, rolling around. That's not us. We have a direction. We have a sense, a purpose, a modus operandi. We live in love and faith with the Lord to serve him. That's what we do. That's what we do in everything that we do. We we pursue happiness boldly and persistently. Why? Because we love the Lord. Because our job is service. We, you have to be careful about reading things like the Declaration of Independence. I don't want you to start thinking just willy-nilly here. You have to be careful. Safeguard yourself. You see, our job, here it's a holiday weekend, ta-da. Our job is to find joy. That's what our little parades are about. It doesn't matter whether it's six kids on a tricycle or whether it's uh, Garbarino and a whole parade of military vehicles. Our job is to find joy. Our job is to celebrate life. Our job is to be refreshed in the Lord. We are called to be strong. We are called to be bold. We are called to be a comfort, which as you well know means strength to others. We need to celebrate our lives 
not endure them. Celebrate them. And if the people around you keep... Uh, one of my daughters, <laughs> this great line was, she was talking to her little brother. Said, if you keep on acting that way, you're pinching my karma. <laughs> Is that a Marin County child? <laughs> a Branson's graduate? <laughs> you are pinching my karma. But he probably was. But our job is to cultivate peace in our lives, in our families, and in our neighborhoods. Maybe, maybe it'll catch on. Maybe it'll spread to other lives, other families, and other neighborhoods. Maybe it'll catch on to whole counties and states and countries. It's infectious, this joy thing. Now, we want to be sure to avoid pettiness at all costs. When you care for someone, tell them. Tell them. Don't think that they will intuit this from your somewhat clandestine behavior and shy little smiles. If you care for someone, tell them. If someone has hurt your feelings, tell them. You know, our job is to declare our independence from the temporal world and embrace the kingdom of heaven. That's what Jesus came to tell us. Our job is to listen and to do. Amen. Amen.